sinner's cross. He broke my shame and sinfulness. He rose again, victorious. Faithfulness none can deny. Through the storm and through the fire, there is truth that sets me free. Jesus Christ, who lives in me, you are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me, it is written, Christ is risen, Jesus, you are Lord of To see and save the lost, you paid it all upon the cross. You are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. You are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen, Jesus, you are Lord of all, Jesus, you are Lord of all. Then no one caught in sin remained inside the We fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and bled for us. Freely you bled for us. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake. Come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Beneath the weight of all our sin, you bow to none. 
the feet of Jesus, the greatness of mercy and love. At the feet of Jesus, we cry, holy, 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 we Good morning. I want to welcome both members and visitors to our 1045 service here at Preston Christ Church of Christ. I'm Charlie Johnston, one of the elders, and we're happy to have you join us both here physically and virtually through our streaming. We're off to a great start in the new year. and We're thankful for, for all of you who are attending, and I know you're glad to be in a warmer auditorium than being outside. This is definitely Texas. Please take the time now, if you haven't done so already, to text CHECK-IN to church teams at the number on the screen, 469-476-5331. This is critical for our response team knowing who is attending in case of a safety or security event. Besides getting the bulletin when you text CHECK-IN, you can also text ME to that number anytime and automatically be logged in to select the directory, website, ask for prayers, and get the latest prayer list. Any prayer or contact request can also be made by filling out one of the cards in the back of the pews and dropping it in the contribution box in the foyer. 
We know that many of you are enjoying reading through the Bible this year using the YouVersion Bible app, Bible Storyline Reading Plan. The devotional videos are excellent, and if you haven't started yet, just pick up a flyer on the tables in the foyer for information how to follow along any of three ways, on your computer, your smartphone, or via a paper checklist. In the online bulletin, click on All Church Events and select Read the Bible Through in One Year or visit PrestonChrist.org slash 2022 for details. I think you'll really enjoy that. It'll be a great benefit. Also, we want to remind you about our 50th anniversary celebration on Sunday, March 27th. This will be a great time of greeting former members, remembering our first 50 years as a congregation, and looking forward to even greater blessings from God in the next 50. For our call to worship this morning, please read with me from Galatians 3, verses 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all our blessings, our homes, our health, our jobs, our opportunities, our friends and families, including the recent birth of Graham, Alan Gilbreth, to Tyler, and, and Bailey. Father, we do have some members of our family we want to bring before you this morning. We especially ask that you would be with Rolando Esparza, Alvin Nev, Thomas Daniel Maxwell, Betty Harris, and Dan Sears in the treatment and recovery from their illness. We also pray for the families of Blaine Smith and Numelia Green in, in their loss. Father, please, please surround these families with your comfort and love and help us to be your hands and feet as we support them during this difficult time. Also, we pray for our leaders throughout Texas as they are focused on eliminating human trafficking that is especially affecting children from so many families. Father, please provide these leaders your wisdom and protection as they seek ways to solve this horrific problem. God, we thank you for the talents you've given each one of us to use in your service. I pray that everyone here at Preston Crest will find that special area of service where we can help your kingdom grow and be more effective, bringing those around us both near and far into your family. We also ask that you be with Gordon this morning as he helps us grow in our discipleship. In Jesus Christ's blessed name we pray. Amen.
All right, church, let's stand and let's, uh, let's worship God with our voices this morning. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign
we enter into our time of communion, we're going we're gonna to be led this morning by Charles Forrester. We're going to sing one more song, and then Charles will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup this morning. Pure. Good morning, church. <laughs> Over the holiday season, I was able to uh, take some time off work and, and spend a lot of time with, with my children, and um, it was mostly remarkable. Um, but since that time, I bumped into um, a, a song that we sang last week and a verse from that and, and a scripture that I read. Um, I came across that since this time, and, and, and one, it's uh, pretty uh, remarkable how God works and how he puts things in front of you just when you need it. <clears throat> and also, I, you know, I thought it'd be meaningful to share because I think it's relevant um, for what we're doing right now. So the verse is Romans 5.8. For God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the song lyric is from uh, last week. We sang, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. So my point's really quite straightforward. Um, it's incredibly humbling when I see God the Father's wisdom 
and his love uh, toward his son and his people in the in, when I look at that in a perspective of a father. Um, he could have stopped it. He could have stopped the pain, the anguish of watching as he watched his son. He, he could have completely stopped it. But instead, he watched from above. And I'm, and I'm sure he was proud of his, of his child's devotion, of, of what he was going through. But it had to be incredibly painful. I'm reminded of the song he could have called 10,000 Angels. Um, and then I look at myself as a father and how quickly I swoop in and stop the pain of my children. Um, I have little doubt that I would have, I would have stopped it. And, and they're not even perfect. So um, from a father's point of view, uh, looking at what a father has done, it is really quite incredible. Um, and I just pray that, uh, that if you're not a father uh, or, or uh, you don't have that kind of relationship that perhaps you could think on, uh, that, that you reach because it, it's there. Um, there is certainly an appreciation that you gain uh, in looking at our father for what he did uh, in reflection. And um, I keep saying it, but uh, remarkable is really the only word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father, we are um, just really humbled. Um, humbled at your Son and his love for us and, and what he did on this earth, the pain that he went through. We are humbled um, by you and your love for us and, and, and you watching it happen. We know uh, that you made a promise with us, um, but you could, have, you could have stopped it. You could have broken that promise, and you didn't. And, and for that, we are just truly thankful. Fathers, we take this, um, this bread uh, we pray that we are thoughtful of the, the pain that uh, your son went through, um, that his, the agony of his body, and that uh, um, it humbles us um, to understand the love from you to us. In his name we pray, amen.
Continue praying with me, please. Father, the, the blood of, of your son, um, we just pray that we think about that, how it uh, was the fulfillment of that promise, um, the cleansing blood from the perfect, the perfect lamb. We thank you for not stopping it. We thank you for uh, keeping your promise to us. And Father, we just pray that uh, as we drink this juice, we think about that promise and, and your fulfillment and, that, and your dedication to us. And Father, may we, may we live um, with a pure heart that one day uh, your holy face we may see. Again, we thank you for your son. In his name, we pray. Amen. if you're here this morning and you are prepared to give an offering, you can drop that in the center of our foyer. We have a box uh, for you to drop those offerings. You can give online as well. Several options to give. However you choose to give, we are thankful and thankful for the generous hearts of this church and how that uh, enables us to have ministries that help others heal. One of those is called Divorce Care. Many of you are familiar with that. We'll share a little bit more about that ministry with you in just a moment through a video. But let's bow at this time. Father, we are thankful. We're thankful for the opportunity to give, the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to provide a safe place for healing. a safe place where you can grow in the hearts of people that are hurting, people that are damaged. And we're thankful for good ministries, good works that happen here because of you. Thank you for divorce care and how it meets the needs of many and helps bring healing and helps guide hearts to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's watch.
Here at Preston Chris, we're completely committed to the marriages that we have both here in our church and also in our community. Divorces happen, separation takes place. We are highly committed to creating a safe, healthy, supportive place for those going through such difficulties. Semesters of divorce care involve fellowship meals, fellowship dinners, uh, supportive interactive educational video, discussions among the groups, supportive, caring, camaraderie among those going through the difficulties and challenges of divorce. And quite frankly, we help them to look toward healing and even resilience as they take some next steps to heal and to recover. No one wants to see a marriage go through those difficulties and challenges, but when we're here at Preston Chris, we want you to know that we're dedicated to helping people in that process to become better and connect with their Lord. Could not happen without the support that we have here with the folks at this church. We thank you for your support as we serve with people in our divorce care ministry and help them in their next stage of life. good stuff. Church, let's, uh, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church right now. We'll sing one more song and then Gordon's going to come share with us this morning. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I That's why we're here, to proclaim his goodness, to celebrate that together, and uh, it's good to be gathered, good to be gathered together. Glad you're here this morning. Hope you feel at home with us. Yesterday, Isla and I got to be a part of a a small wedding, uh, under 20 people at this wedding, and I was officiating this wedding, and we pulled up there at the venue. About 5.30 in the afternoon, a little earlier than that maybe, and uh, got out of the car. We're walking to the venue, and Isla asks me, is this indoors or outdoors? And I was thinking, 
probably a question we should have asked before we arrived. I said, I'm pretty sure this is indoors. And I told her, if this is outdoors, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> There's someone else here that can surely officiate this wedding that's dressed more. Because it was cold yesterday, colder than today. And that wind was blowing like 40 miles an hour. But there, I was talking to the bride and groom before the, the ceremony and everything. I was like, so where are you guys going? And where's the honeymoon? And they told me they were headed today to Bora Bora. And my first question for them was, is that a real place? I mean, that's the kind of place you hear in the movies, but you're like, that's an actual place. And it's beautiful and it is warm and there are beaches there. Speaking of beaches, you know, we lived in Rio for 10 years, and I bring that up from time to time. Uh, everyone, if you live in Rio, you're a Carioca, and it's a beach city. There's like 20 beaches there, and it's hot all year. Winter is warm, summer is warmer, uh, but you have a favorite beach if you're a Carioca. Ours was Baja da Tijuca, one reason because it was only 10 minutes from our house. Uh, also, it's just a beautiful 11-mile long stretch of sand, and we would go there with our kids and we would play in the water. And one thing, every beach kind of has its unique properties. You know, you know the waves are going to come in and the waves are going to go out. Some beaches have different water currents going on. And Baja is all along the shoreline, left to right, east to west there, or west to east, there is a, um, there's a current that moves slowly. Now, if you dip your toes in the water, you're not going to feel this current. But if you go out and swim there like the kids and I did from time to time, you know, after 15 or 20 minutes, you'll notice you're at a different point. And after an hour, you're way up the beach and you're going to have to walk back. But there was this current. And the only way uh, to not be drug along by the current is, is to keep your feet on the ground, which gets us to uh, our discipleship series this morning. There are currents, and you know there are, uh, in our world, in our lives that would pull us this way or that way. As disciples of Jesus, we want to be centered on Him. We want to find our lives in Him, and we do not want to drift off course. Um, we as disciples, mathetes in the Greek, learners, we learn from him so that we can become like him. That's what discipleship is about. And there is this counsel in the New Testament uh, because God knows we're going to be pulled left and right. And so there's this counsel in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You have a race course lined out for you. God has this plan for your life, and you are to run it with perseverance. How do you do that? You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Good news, you are not alone. He is the pioneer. He was the starting gun of the race, and he is the perfecter. He is the end of the race. He is with you every step of the way, and we are going to read about that this morning. In fact, hear the very words of Jesus about that in Matthew 28, which we know as the Great Commission in Scripture, the Great Commission, where Jesus tasks his disciples to carry on his mission in the world. These are his last words to his disciples 
according to one of these disciples named Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, that's in the northern part of Israel. They went to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. But when they saw him, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, when we read Scripture... When you hear a verse from the Bible, if you're like me, you want to jump very quickly into application. Like, what is God saying to me today? And that's good. I'm glad we want that. But always we want to know first, who is he talking to? What is the nature of this occasion? And here, Jesus is talking. Let's highlight those people he's talking to. He is talking to 11 disciples. He is talking to 11 individuals. You could seat them all right here. It is a small group that he is addressing, um, and they are listening to his words. Uh, they are learners. They are his mathetes, his disciples. Uh, there would have been 12, but Judas took his life, committed suicide. So we're left with 11 disciples, and they are paying attention to Jesus. And by the way, I'm a disciple. Are you a disciple? If we're disciples, we're going to also pay attention to what Jesus says. So, we learn a little bit about their response to Jesus. The next part there, they are there because Jesus had directed them to be there, and they showed up. Jesus said, hey, be here at this time, be here at this mountain, and I want to have a conversation with you. And we learn a little bit, it's very simple here. But Jesus directed them and they followed him, right? They not only heard the words, understood the words of Jesus, they said, yeah, I'll be there. And they actually showed up because disciples follow the directions of Jesus. Uh, it may seem like a trivial detail, uh, but you are going to feel distant from Jesus if you're a disciple who doesn't follow. I'm not even sure if it's possible to be a disciple who doesn't follow Jesus' directions, but you will feel distant because he said, meet me here. And they showed up, so they were with Jesus. When Jesus speaks to you and you go the other way, you're going to be distant from Jesus. And you may be like, where is the Lord? Why don't, why don't I feel the presence of the Lord? Well, why didn't you go where Jesus told you to go? So they get to the mountaintop all together with Jesus. And what were they doing? What was the activity going on there? And I find this absolutely fascinating because one of these individuals, Matthew, is actually writing all of this down. We're reading his gospel the mor this, uh, this morning. And Matthew records at least part of it that is not very flattering about him and his group. He says they were doing two things when they got to this encounter with Jesus. They were worshiping, yeah, okay, and some of them were doubting. So 
All of them were worshiping, and some of that group was doubting. Remember, we're only talking about 11 guys here, and we are talking about the 11 closest to Jesus, the 11 that are going to be the tip of the spear in taking this message of God's grace out into the world. And Matthew records, yes, some of them, some of them were doubting. What were they doubting? I mean, I'm sure interpreters can debate this. Um, Some say that maybe some of the disciples didn't think that was like really actual, physical, real Jesus. That it was like not a hologram, but some like just spirit ghost Jesus. And so they doubted that it was really him. I think, just given the context, I think some of them doubted whether he would actually show up. I mean, he had died on the cross. And I mean, this is really uncharted territory. He's said to be here. We're here. Is Jesus going to show up? Well, he showed up, and they all worshiped, and some of them doubted. And I would just say, I like that Matthew recorded this. I don't know about you. Can you be a disciple and at the same time have questions and doubts? Yes, apparently so. Um, And if you had some doubts... And if you're here today with some questions, you don't need to feel embarrassed. You don't need to feel ashamed. You can understand, like this passage shows us, that faith and doubt can coexist within the same heart, within the same person at the same time. So this morning, if you are here in a season of strong faith, and you look at your life, and you look at what's going on in your world, and it's clicking like you see exactly what God is doing. Um, That race that's laid out, it's so clear, it's marked, and you're on it, and you don't have any doubts about it. I would say praise God for that. And if you're here this morning, and you are in a season of questioning, and struggle, and doubt, Praise God for that because you're here. And like those disciples, you showed up to worship even with your doubts. By the way, the counsel of God in the Holy Scripture is Jude 1.22. It is, have mercy on those who doubt. They don't need you to wag your finger at them and say, shame, shame. They don't need you to preach a sermon about how they need to repent. They need you to have mercy on them. So some doubted, but they obeyed. They showed up where Jesus told them to go, and they worshiped the Lord, and they heard some remarkable words from Jesus. He did not fire them. He did not find replacement disciples with more faith. He did not send them home and say, you're no good. He commissioned them, those 11, to do great things in his mighty name. And so the next thing he did was he gave them this revelation that would have filled them with a boost of confidence. Jesus told them, all authority has been given me. This word authority is is ekousia, okay? It could have been dunamis or power, like dynamite, power. But he used this other word, ekousia, which means sovereign legal authority. And he says, all authority, 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is nothing outside of my jurisdiction. I call the shots in heaven. God has given me that authority. God the Father. I call the shots on earth. So he is establishing, I have all authority. And coming from someone who was murdered by the Roman government and three days later showed up alive, I would say there's plenty of evidence for this authority that he now claims. Um, now, the fact that Jesus has authority does create potentially some problems for our faith. Because from time to time, Jesus, with all of this authority, can and does allow some things to happen in our world or our individual lives that we probably don't like. We would have preferred it to go another way. We would have preferred that diagnosis to be a little different than it was, okay? Or Jesus may say some things with his authority that we don't want to hear. You need to forgive that person 70 times, seven times. Or you need to love your enemy. Jesus said some hard things to his disciples. But as his disciples we recognize he has the authority and he speaks truth and we will follow him wherever he leads knowing that in the end everything will work out for our good. We trust him as our Lord and Savior. Now they are also told with their feet planted on this authority of Jesus that they had a job to do and it was to go and make disciples. It was to, you know, reproduce. It was to, to multiply. Uh, a disciple is someone who has found Jesus, put their faith in Jesus. It's somebody, by definition, that word, methedes, means a learner. It's somebody who's learning from Jesus. Uh, so they're growing in knowledge, and they're growing in faith, and they're doing good works. And a disciple is someone who passes that faith along to other people. In other words, they make disciples. They lead someone to faith. Or they find someone in their congregation who needs encouragement. And so it's this give and take. Disciples are making disciples. They are helping others to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Now here, we know that Jesus at this point is for sure speaking to more than just those 11 guys. How do we know that? He tells them to go to all nations and make disciples. Now, let me just step back here. Their world was an incredibly bigoted, divided, prejudicial world, okay? Um, Jews mostly, generally hated the Romans, and I'm sure the the Romans didn't like them so much. Jews generally hated the Samaritans, another group living in their neighborhood, and I'm sure it went the other way. Jews saw everyone else, all nations outside of their nation as Gentiles, as being people who would never belong to the family of God, who were not the chosen people. And Jesus comes along here in this final commissioning of his disciples and he takes this spiritual heavenly wrecking ball and lets it go and says those divisions are gone 
I'm tearing the veil. I'm opening up the kingdom of God to all nations. Ethne in the original. Better translation would be all ethnicities. All nations are invited to call God Father. All are welcome to be adopted into the family of God. That's what makes the Great Commission so great, folks. It is global and it is timeless. And we know he wasn't just speaking to those 11 because Peter didn't go to Brazil. Isla and Gordon Dabbs went to Brazil and so did a lot of other missionaries. They never made it to North Texas. But you're in North Texas. The Preston Crest Church is sharing the good news of Jesus in North Texas. And so that commission was to them, yes. But they were starting a fire that would grow and grow. And it sure did. Amen? His kingdom has grown. There are still peoples who need to hear the good news. But we have come a long way since this moment on top of that mountain. I got it, by the way. I just, very encouraging. This past week, so encouraged by you guys, by this church. I got an email from a couple here, and they wanted some, some basic Bible study materials because they've got some friends who are seriously asking questions about Jesus, who are kind of at a point where they want to follow Jesus. And so I sent them some Bible study material. I was just so excited that God is in that and that they are saying yes to that race that's marked out for them. They're stepping in and knowing that the Spirit is going to bless them. And then yesterday I got another email from another member here who's got a chance to share the good news with somebody. And so I sent him the same things. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. I love it when disciples are about this business of making disciples. It is a beautiful thing. And part of that is, that next phrase, baptizing them baptizing them. We've talked about this here. Um, baptism is not the end of the race, okay? It is not the finish line. It is the starting blocks. It is the delivery room at the hospital. It is Jesus in John 3. It is, it is where the new birth happens of water and spirits. And so we celebrate when someone comes to faith in Jesus by visually demonstrating that entrance into the gospel, that acceptance of the gospel, as they are baptized in water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and their journey has just begun. They're now part not only of God's family in heaven, but his family on earth. They have a new relationship with God. He's, he's Father now. And the Holy Spirit comes into their life to help them live as these learners, these followers of Jesus, disciples. So, Jesus tells them, what does it look like to make disciples? Well, here's what you do. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So there is a lot of teaching and a lot of learning that goes on over the years. Uh, one disciple teaching another disciple. Teaching what? Teaching the words of Jesus. Teaching everything that I have commanded you. 
You know, in your New Testament, all of those letters, you've got the four Gospels, and then you've got all these letters that make up. All those letters are Paul and Peter and others teaching the words of Jesus. The Gospels, we actually have the words of Jesus. We've got everything we need to know to grow in faith, but we've got to pass this back and forth. We've got to teach it. We've got to share it. Um, and Jesus taught us clearly what the most important commands are. He left no doubt because he was asked, hey Jesus, what are the most important commands? Matthew chapter 22, six chapters earlier, he said, love God with all you have, all you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, all of the law, all of the commandments, the whole Bible hangs on those two commands. There are a lot of other things that you can study, a lot of other things that you can talk about, but that's where it starts right there with those two big commands that Jesus gave us. Well, teaching is not, though, is not merely passing knowledge around. Don't think of like a classroom. I've got to cram, learn some information, pass the test. Then it's okay if I forget all of that. Like it's, that's not the way this works. That's not what Jesus has in mind here. We are training people to verse 20. We are training people to observe, Jesus said, all that I taught. So observe, that means Implement that. Deploy that in your life. Apply my teachings. Follow my teachings. Don't just learn them up here. Live them out. And that is why I would say it is a huge, huge red flag for churches when people are acquiring more and more knowledge, but their lives aren't changing. Like when a church is learning more and more information about the Bible, but their marriages are falling apart, and they're not feeding the hungry, and they're not giving shelter to the homeless, and they're neglecting their children. Huge red flag that something has happened, some sort of disconnect between learning and what Jesus said, observing my commands. Um, so we study Scripture. We pray, we listen to Jesus so that we can do what Jesus wants us to do. More than that, we can be who Jesus has called us to be. Amen? So look, information without transformation, well, information without application derails transformation. Like it doesn't happen. If I'm content with simply gathering information... I'm not going to be transformed by those truths. So disciples, let's talk about this as we kind of finish out here. Disciples aren't perfect. Um, we're growing. We may have, as we see here, some doubts, some struggles. But a disciple is devoted to consistently operating under the reign of Jesus. Like there could be a, a church goer, let's say, uh, that may know a bunch of stuff about the Bible, but... They just aren't making decisions that demonstrate the reign of Jesus in their marriage or their career or the way they handle money or the way they use their time. So how do I grow 
as a disciple of Jesus. Um, there may be a bunch of like tips and hints and, and things that you could talk about that are absolutely true, but I want to boil it down to some core things. Like if someone is a disciple, you are very likely to see these things in their lives. For starters, very basically, a growing disciple has a habit of praying and reading scriptures so that they are tuned into the Lord's presence and his purpose for them. I don't want you to think of prayer and scripture reading as activities that you're doing all by yourself. This is relationship, right? This is relationship. This is you hearing the voice of your Lord. This is you communicating back to the Lord. It's spending time with Jesus. That's what Bible study and prayer is, and it's transformative when you're truly open to the presence of Jesus, to hearing his words and engaging with him. Another thing is a growing disciple is part of, is an active part of the local church, right? The local church over and over in the New Testament, it's, it's the family of God, it's the body of Christ. Um, the whole New Testament is written to groups like Preston Christ or the Colossians, the Philippians, the Romans. It is written to local churches because that's where discipleship happens. It happens in the local church. What is going on in Matthew 28? Church is going on. Eleven people showed up together to hear the word of the Lord, what we're doing today, to worship the Lord, what we are doing today. And they did that. And here we are doing the same thing. They showed up with their faith. They showed up with their doubts. And they worshiped and heard the words of the Lord. I love it. And Jesus, when he spoke to them in Matthew 28, he also spoke to us. We need the church. We need to gather together. That is his plan for his disciples, that they would gather and be energized and challenge each other and comfort each other and, and train together. And then this one's kind of connected to that, but I think it's slightly different Another thing a growing disciple is connecting with mature believers who help them become more like Jesus. We all need uh, older brothers and older sisters, really, to give wisdom, to listen, to, in, to instruct, to say, what do I do with this in my, in, in, in my work situation? I've got this conflict, and an older, wiser person comes in and speaks into that. And so we're learning, and we're becoming more and more like Jesus as we encounter like real-time life situations, and, and we get wisdom from people around us. Another thing, a growing disciple uses what they have to help others. What do you have? You've got time. What do you have? You've got talents. You've got some skills. <laughs> what do you have? Uh, you've got some money, little or much. You've got some of that. You use that for the benefit of the church, to grow the church, and for the benefit of announcing the good news of Jesus in your mission field. For us, Dallas-Fort Worth is where that starts. Caring for people, meeting their needs, sharing the story. And so we use what we have to help others. Finally, and this is what we see in the Great Commission, a growing disciple is also a multiplying disciple. Um, it's someone who helps others find faith and grow in faith. 
Um, this could be misused, and it has been in different Christian circles, but it's still there in the text that we need to be passing the faith along. We are not reservoirs simply, oh, I received the grace of Jesus, and I'm just going to hold it all to myself. We are channels of God's blessing into the world. He blesses us so that we can bless others. He tells us the good news story and welcomes us into his family so that we can tell that same story to someone else. You're here. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a Christian, maybe you're not, but if you're here, it's because somebody shared the good news with you, right? And so we do that. And this has been going on for uh, more or less 2,000 years. They did take this great commission, and they did go and make disciples. Really, this is our story. This is where it kind of started for us. They actually did what Jesus asked them to do, and we are still about this disciple-making business. Uh, there might be some things you could add to this list, but I would say based on what Jesus told us, it's hard to imagine a disciple without one of these kind of pillars of discipleship. Uh, so I fulfill my mission. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm growing as his disciple when I'm spending time in his word, when I'm listening to him in his word, when I'm speaking to him in regular prayer, when I'm plugged in to, to the body of Christ, to the local church. I'm connected to other believers at all different levels of faith, all different places along their faith journeys. Uh, I'm a disciple growing when I'm using my gifts and talents and my money to serve others in the name of Jesus. And I'm a growing disciple when I'm leading others to Jesus and helping encourage their faith. Um, so these are habits that keep my feet planted on Jesus, that keep me anchored because there are, and this is another sermon, which you're welcome, I won't preach this morning, but there are a lot of things right now in your life that are pulling you this way and that way. Your boss, your girlfriend, your money situation, the show you're binging on Netflix, the water. I mean, there are a lot of different things, currents, tides that imperceptibly perhaps are, are pulling you to drift this way or that way. And if your feet are not planted on Jesus, you will drift and you will move away from that race that has been marked for you to run. But here is some really good news for all of us, straight from Jesus. The last thing he told them is, hey guys, I am with you always to the end of the age. You're going to watch me, he tells them, ascend to heaven, right? He told them that earlier. You're going to see me ascend to heaven, but I'm really not going anywhere I am giving you my spirit. My spirit will live in you. My spirit will dwell with you. I am with you until the very end of the age. And he promises that to each disciple that he is with us every step of the way in the challenging seasons, in that place of struggle and suffering, on that mountaintop, I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere, and one day I will call you home to spend eternity with me.
So remember those core invitations as we finish this series on discipleship. Over and over and over in the New Testament, Jesus said, follow me. It's about him. It's about the person of Jesus calling you to follow him. He said in Matthew 11 last week, he said, come unto me. You're weary, you're heavy laden, you don't know what to do. He said, come unto me. And those are the invitations this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's close this series out with prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for saving us at great cost. At great cost, you saved us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for calling us to a purpose bigger than ourselves. Thank you for showing us the path marked out for us with your inspired words to keep us from drifting back and forth, in and out of the Father's perfect will for our lives. And Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that you will pr prepare the hearts of those who you are calling to be your disciples, that they will have ears to hear and understand, and that they will become strong followers of you. Holy God, I pray that you will help each of us remember that we are your instruments in this world for accomplishing your plan you are the one who is at work in this church. You are the one who is at work in each of our lives, drawing people through us to Jesus. We love you. Help us to show that love that we have for you and that you have for people. Help us to show that to everyone around us. Finally, Lord, I do ask this morning that you will grow this church at Preston Crest, that you will grow our ministry in Dallas, Texas and beyond so that we can share the good news of Jesus with everybody around us and help people grow into mature disciples of Jesus. We ask this this morning in your powerful name. All authority is yours, Jesus. We ask that in the authority of your name. Amen. This morning, if you want to be baptized into Jesus, you can do that here and now. Or just start a conversation with somebody about what that would look like. What are the next steps for you? We would love to help you with that. Maybe you just need the prayers of these people. The Lord is with us. He didn't go anywhere. He's with us till the very end of the age. And we will come together in the name of Jesus to seek his will and his providence in your life. Let's respond as we stand together and worship. In peace like
your soul and if it's not spend some more time in prayer and in the word Gordon thanks for uh, encouraging us to take advantage of the opportunities we have to reach out to others and let's pray that uh, all of us that would be our prayer to see the opportunities and take advantage of those opportunities to teach others and please plan to be back tonight as Gordon continues to lead us on our journey through Genesis. Let's read our take-home verse together for Romans 15 and 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And the church said, Amen. Have a great day.